So I don't know if you're aware, but all of these um, pre-message trailers that we do, we have done those here. We're the ones who record those. We produce those. Hunter films them. In fact, that's Hunter's voice. And the Bible that's used at the end of the clip is this one. This was my granddad's Bible from 1940. So I've held on to that, uh, passed on to my mom and uh, passed on to me from him. So I hold on to that. I cherish it. He was a man of faith. And um, I remember uh, staying at his house. He wasn't one to watch TV back in the day, unless it was Saturday Night Wrestling. But, uh, <laughs> but he, he loved it <clears throat> when someone would come to the door and want to talk religion to him because he would grab his Bible and go after him. He knew, he knew the word, and uh, he loved those kind of conversations. So I, I'm grateful to uh, be part of a, a lineage of faith in our family and to have his Bible. Uh, things are changing, of course, in our world today. We've made that clear. I don't think we have to say that for you to know that. You know that already. But um, we affirm that here today. We recognize that it is happening. Uh, and it seems over the past several years that the the rapidness of the change has increased. There's a different push today. And there's a word that is being used a lot today in circles of uh, church as well as social structure. And it is the word deconstruction. What has been established and has been foundational in our culture and even in church by many today is being questioned and then deconstructed, taken apart. Much like a house that had been built, it is being taken apart with the intent of building something different. Taking what has been the known foundational truths, even within the church, beliefs that have been long held sacred and important, they are being dismantled and rebuilt in different forms. And the Bible warned that days like this would come. Uh, Romans 1, we have read often. I just want to remind us of a word that is a part of the verses there, 20, uh, 21 through 23. It says, because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts. The way they thought changed. And their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools, and here it is, and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man. Romans described a time when there would be those who would come and their minds, because of their lifestyle, would be darkened and they would change things. They would change what is known about God and the glory of God. They would change all of that and instead make life all about man, all about his glory, his wants, his desires. And that is what we are seeing happen in our culture today. It's happening culturally. It's happening in churches. And the minute you begin to deconstruct, the whole house will fall down. And that's what's happening in churches um, across our land. The, the staggering statistics are that church as a whole is on the decline. About two years ago, 
we recognize the need here at Vertical to stand bold and speak truth. And there was a little bit of uncertainty at the table because we knew, all right, we're going to put it all on the line, see what happens. This could lead to the departure of some from our church because we were going to take some stands in some areas. But the opposite happened. God did what he promised he would do. He said, if, if, Jesus said, if I am lifted up, I will draw all men to myself. So when we began to take more definitive stands on the truth and the gospel and God's word, instead of seeing people leave, we began to see Christians and many others come. We began to see hunger, appetite, change, and a desire for more. And that's what we have seen even this year. We continue to see that. And so it has just um, confirmed, of course, what Scripture says, and it's confirmed our resolve that we must, we must boldly hold to what Jesus has called us to. We must stand strong in these areas. The thing is, the only things that you and I would have any authority to deconstruct would be something that we built. And the church is not something we have built. God's word is not something we have built. God is not something we have come up with on our own. Jesus is not just a good idea written in history. Those have all been established and built by God. What authority do we have to deconstruct any of it? None. So instead, we are going to build up the church. We are going to build up the foundations. We are going to continue to teach and train people how to be followers of Jesus. The distortion has, has crept in in so many different ways. Everything is being redefined. Everything is being deconstructed and reconstructed. Even the very idea of love, it's been under attack for many years, but it's being deconstructed and rewritten today. Love is now generally understood by the culture as um, what is comfortable, pleasurable, uh, beneficial to me, what doesn't offend me, um, what is easy. And that sounds to the world like the definition of love. But to us who know the truth, we know the Bible says that love is patient, love is kind, Love endures all things. Love hopes all things. And the greatest love that anyone can have for someone else is to lay down your life for someone else. So love involves hard work. Love involves sacrifice. Love involves pain sometimes. Love involves staying in it and doing what's right no matter what is happening in the moment. Amen? This is the real definition of love. And it stands in contradiction to anything that the world says today. Love today, even within the church, has been redefined and and to me, horribly misused because you find churches and you find pastors apologizing anytime anyone feels any measure of offense. I have heard well-known pastors apologizing for presenting the gospel, for the, the idea that someone could be offended by being called a sinner, or apologizing for stands that Christians have taken. I think, what what have we become? What is happening? Who would have thought that the church would have to stand on such elementary principles in our day and stand with resolve and confidence in them? But the world has defined love in this way. 
And so you can't dare say anything that could offend someone. But the reality is, as we know, truth offends. You can't even become a Christian until you are first offended by the fact that you're a sinner. You've got to come to that place. You have to come to the to the rock who has laid down his life for us. You have to fall down on that rock and be broken because of your sin. That requires humility. That requires brokenness. That is the definition of love. But even love for God is being deconstructed within the church and very loosely defined. So love, even within the confines of the church, has been redefined as, well, if you love God, just do what feels right for you. You can love God. You can worship however you want to. You can redefine love for God as just live how you want, express how you want. Don't tell anyone what they should or should not be doing. Don't offend anyone. It's anything goes as long as you say you love God. That could not be any further from the truth. The Bible is clear, historically walks us through generation after generations who tried to do worship in their own way apart from God's heart, in their own way apart from God's plans, and they suffered as a result. And God himself was not pleased with their worship. And so today, if a Christian chooses to take a stand, if a, if a Christian says there's only one way to God and it is through Jesus Christ. If a Christian says there is only one truth, there's not my truth, your truth. If a Christian says you're saved by grace alone through faith, it's not of works. If you take those stands today, if you begin to say God has a very specific plan for marriage and for life and for parenting and training children and church and law and government and culture, if you take a stand on some of those issues today, you get labeled as judgmental, legalistic, intolerant, a bigot. But this is what must happen in our day. We must return to the place where we are willing to sacrifice and bear the cost for standing for the truth of the gospel. Because Jesus promised that would happen. Who are we to try to look for ways out of causing offense when he said, those who follow me, those who believe in me, will suffer persecution in this life? What are we thinking by trying to play the least offensive role? So if we want to see change in our day, we as the church must be willing to stand up. We must be willing to be bold. We must be willing to stand with resolve and conviction and determination and willingness to sacrifice and suffer the consequences. We must be willing to say truth is by scripture alone. We must be willing to say grace is by faith alone. We must be willing to stand in salvation is by Jesus alone. And we must take one more stand. And this is where our message goes today. We must be willing to take the very uncomfortable position that says, if you are going to claim to believe in Jesus, then you must walk in obedience to Jesus. Because if you say you love Jesus, then you must walk in obedience to Jesus. If you say you love Jesus but don't have obedience to Jesus, then you don't really love Jesus. 
This gets uncomfortable. But this is what we are called to. Our message today is called love by obedience alone. There's a lot of ways people love to express their love for God, which I get. And you can do that in many different ways. You can express it in your worship. You can express it in your relationships. You can express it by giving to those in need, and we should. But the truth is, the greatest way you truly demonstrate your love for God is by walking according to his ways. And if you're not, then it calls into question what you even believe to begin with. Paul writes to the Ephesian church in chapter 5, before we get into our passage today, he said, for you once were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Uh, For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth. Finding out what is acceptable to the Lord and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. But all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light. For whatever makes manifest is light. Therefore, he says, awake, you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. So I don't know what alarm clock you use this morning to wake up. But I hope this morning we hear the alarm clock of heaven say to us, church, wake up. There's something happening today. And it's imperative that we are awake to what is happening, that we are up and out of the bed and engaged in walking in obedience to Jesus. Amen? Amen. So turn your Bibles to John 14. This is where we are today. Uh, John 14, you're nearing the end of uh, Jesus' life on earth. In fact, in, in chapter 14, what has happened is Jesus has gathered with the disciples. They're in the upper room. He's already washed their feet at this point, as we talked about last week. They've enjoyed the, the last supper together. That's happening. And he is about to walk out of this room with them and go to the garden where he will pray, be arrested, and then we know what follows. So here in this setting, Judas has already done what he's going to do. He's left the room, and we join Jesus in the midst of a conversation with the disciples. And he says in verse 15, we'll start. In this very intimate time with them, he says, if you love me, keep my commandments. If you love me, keep my commandments. Obey, follow, build your life upon Center everything you do based on what I have said to you. Live out this truth that I have lived before you. When you choose to live by what Jesus says, it does some things to our life. It says that I have a foundation. I follow what he says, not what I say. It it puts in us a, a spirit of humility It chooses to submit to him. It's belief that there's something bigger than me. It's believing that there is a a lawgiver. It's believing that there is a a way of life. It's believing that there is a standard. And that's why the culture is so opposed today to anything that sounds like 
rules or law. And the culture is attempting to deconstruct all of that today. They're attempting to deconstruct it in school classrooms. They're attempting to deconstruct it even within communities, wanting to disband the police, wanting to change the laws because they are setting themselves up as the authority. They are choosing to make their own desires what is the highest rule of the day. And they are setting themselves up and exchanging the glory of God for the glory of man. But Jesus said that the greatest evidence that you truly love him is that you will keep his commandments. Now let's, let's dive in on this word keep because this is key for us. Keep, we use it a lot of different ways today. Uh, sometimes we use it to uh, refer to somebody hiding something. You know, can you keep a secret? Can you keep it to yourself? Can you, um, can you search for uh, valuables? In other words, keep these valuables in your closet. Keep them, secure them, hide them away. We use it sometimes for remaining in the same place. We say, oh no, keep your seat. But none of those are the real reference to what Jesus is talking about here when he says keep, keep my commandments. We certainly have references to keeping his commandments in our heart, keeping them like buried treasure, uh, keeping them and not straying from them. But here the word keep that Jesus used is different. This is a word that means to set your eyes on and not let go of the gaze you have on them to treasure them, to keep watch, to keep focused, to keep set on them. So it's this idea of keeping in step, keeping watch. When I was in high school, I told you before, I was in marching band and we marched through the streets of Oak Cliff. I love that actually, it was a lot of fun. So when we'd march in the streets, of course, you're in a row and there's other rows and the drums are playing, and the drum major is in front, and they are directing the rhythm and the beat and the direction of the band. And so we're snaking our way all through Oak Cliff, and it is a blast to me. The drums are playing. People are coming out of their houses to see what's going on. And they taught us when you are marching, you keep your head forward, you listen to the beat, and always step with your left foot on the downbeat of one. Now, if you're a musician, you know what that means. If you're not, sorry. So, but you know, you just kind of know after a while, okay, I'm in step with what's happening here. But at the same time, you are watching out of the, your peripheral vision to make sure you are in line with this part of the line and this part of the line. Because you don't want your line in the band getting all goofy. If you watch some parades over Thanksgiving, you understand what I'm talking about. You saw the lines in the band. They're marching and they're just marching in line together. How do they do that? because they are watching, they are keeping watch on what's around them. They're keeping watch on those marching beside them, they're keeping watch on the drum major, they're keeping an ear to the beat, and that helps you walk in rhythm, walk in sync, and do what needs to be done because you are keeping watch, you're keeping in step. And so when Jesus says, if you love me, keep my commandments, he's saying stay in step, listen, walk, Keep moving forward in the same way that I am moving and moving forward. So, to help illustrate this day, I'm going to drop some stuff on the board, and then we'll talk about how we make some application here today. So, 
Let's start with what it means to be saved to begin with. There is a time that we have come to faith in Jesus Christ, all of us, and in that moment, God poured out his grace to us through the cross, and by grace, his grace, we responded by faith, and we recognized he paid for my sin. He forgave me. He loved me. He showed me mercy. He erased the debt that I owed, and I was saved in that moment. I was born again in that moment. Now, this is a moment that happens in our life, different, happens at different times, different people. For Cameron, it happened just this past year. Today was a demonstration of a belief he already had possessed. He was not saved by the water of baptism, amen? He was saved by faith in Jesus Christ. This was a picture of that. And so what happens is when a person is saved, we tell them, oh, now you have a place secured for you in heaven. When you die, you will go to heaven. The Bible's clear, though, that not only will we go there then, but we are actually seated with him there now. Did you know that? You're seated here this morning at Vertical Church, but you are also seated with him in heavenly places. He sees you already seated with him. He sees you accepted and loved. He sees you as holy, fully redeemed. He sees you complete, seated with him in heaven. Now, between here and there is all of this time. And this time is important. What we do here doesn't affect whether we'll go here or not. This is what determines if we'll go to heaven. Amen? But what happens in this time is that we are in the process of growing in our faith because we start off as an infant down here. We start off young. We start off as a babe in Christ. We are born again. And now we begin a process of choosing to keep his word. I now am seeking to live obediently to him. I want to do what he says. I want to follow him. And it's a path and it's a journey. And along this way, there are steps of obedience required. So one of the first steps for a believer to be Obedient to keep his word is to be baptized. This is a great step of obedience to the Lord. But there are many others in which I choose to be obedient. I choose to pray. I choose to read the scripture. I choose to be kind. I choose to give. I choose to serve. Those are all steps of obedience. And along the way, we are called to keep taking those steps. Keep moving, keep moving forward to keep his word. And we grow and we learn along the way. And as we do, we begin to be more obedient. Amen? And we mature in the faith. I hope your life today does not look like it did five years ago in your faith. There should be some things that are changing about who you are, how you speak, how you interact, how you think the behaviors you have, the activities you're involved in, all of those should be 
a result of being saved, we now begin to walk in greater obedience to Christ. Now, we do so, as Jesus said, out of love. I'm not obeying out of hoping I'll get to heaven if I obey. That's not how it works. That's what the Pharisees and other legalistic people do today. They think that by going to church more, giving more, doing nicer things, that will somehow get me to here. You are not saved by your works. You're saved by grace, his grace through your faith. No works. So I do so out of love because I have been forgiven, because I have been accepted. Now Jesus opens the door for me to fully love him with open heart, open life. Jesus, I love you because of what you've done for me. This becomes my motivator. I'm not doing this to try to punish myself. I'm not trying to do this to to perfect myself so he might love me. Now I can just fully love him in return for what he has done for me. And when I find people who are trying to live under guilt and shame and punishment, it's because they've not yet understood the depth of the love that has been shown to them in Jesus Christ. Jesus said, if you love me, you will in this process, you will keep, or I'll use another word, you will obey my commandments. You will walk in obedience to what he says. You will sacrifice. You will give up your rights to do what he says is right. You will walk in continual obedience to him all along the journey. It's not a one time, I say I believed, I was baptized, now I'm just waiting until I get to heaven. No, it's not how it works. Because Jesus says, if you love me, if you truly love me, if you have been saved, then you will walk in continual, ongoing, open-hearted, full surrendered obedience to Jesus. And that doesn't stop. That doesn't stop one weekend, That doesn't stop one year in. That doesn't stop 50 years in where you say, well, I'm already there. I'm kind of done anyway. I've done everything there is. No, you will never reach the place where you have fully, continually obeyed everything that Jesus has for you until the day you take your last breath or are raptured up and taken to heaven. It's an ongoing process. And Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Now he goes on in the passage and says in verse 21, he who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. Because Jesus does what no one else could ever do. No deity, no God, no one else saw us in our sin, saw the the death that we owed and choose to Come to earth and become the sacrifice for us. You won't find that in any other religion. You won't find the deity coming to earth to give his life for the ones who are on earth. But Jesus does that. He pays for our sin. He dies in our place. He is resurrected. And he says, now come to me by faith and you will be forgiven, accepted, and have a seat with me forever in eternity. Only Jesus can do that. And so when he says, now, love and obey, keep my commandments. 
He is talking about a way of life, some things that ought to mark us as believers. Walking in continual, ongoing obedience. Let's talk about this word keep and what it means and what it does not mean. Feel free to take some pictures of the screen as we go through this next section here. Keep. It means obeying God's word and not your flesh. In the world today, they make their flesh their God. And I get it. Uh, even you and I, as believers, we have uh, a will, a set of choices, desires that we want to act on. I have a way of life that seems natural to me. I have my own desires, urges, and appetites. But here's the deal. I die daily to those, as Paul said, so that I might walk in obedience to Christ. I don't do what I do because it feels right to me. Because the flesh is deceitful and the enemy is even more deceitful. It will lead you astray. So I don't listen to my urges and my appetites. I don't walk in the flesh. Let me tell you this. I know sometimes Christians, we have these conversations that say, well, my old flesh and my spirit, boy, they're just battling with one another. You know, I can follow this dog or I can follow this dog. Whichever one I feed is which way I go. The Bible says this in Romans 8 verse 9. If you are walking in the spirit, you are not in the flesh. You say, well, I've got an awful lot of desires that keep raging in me. I'm afraid you and I, when that happens, have gotten into the pattern of listening to that flesh. And we're still living in that pattern. But the Apostle Paul tells us in Romans, you're not in that anymore. That's not who you are anymore. The Spirit of God dwells in you. Stop giving it allegiance. Stop giving your bowing to your flesh. Move on and listen to the Spirit of God within you because you can't obey that and claim to love him. You claim to love him and you walk in obedience to him. You might stumble along the way. I get it that sometimes the journey looks like this and 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 this. I get it that sometimes the journey is like that, but I want you to see the upward progression that happens there. I might stumble, but I'm going to get up. I might fall in a moment, but I'm going to repent and I'm going to get back up and follow Jesus in my life. Amen? Because I'm not in the flesh anymore. That's not my Lord. Jesus is my Lord. And so I walk choosing to not do what I feel. Choosing to do what is right. Choosing to ask forgiveness. Choosing to be patient. Choosing to sacrifice. Choosing to walk in God's ways. Because love keeps, obeys, and does what is right. Amen? There's another thing that keep does. Keep means obeying in your walk and not just your talk. Sometimes uh, Christians are guilty of coming in on a Sunday and having a pretty good talk front, but not living out on Monday the walk. They can come here and they, they sing and they're joyful, but the same lips that are singing praise on a Sunday are uttering curse words on a Monday. The same lips that are singing worship on a Sunday are telling profane jokes on a Monday. And those things, my friends, ought not be. Because to keep his commandments means to keep continually, 
Keep observing. Keep your eye on. Keep your ear on. Keep walking in step with him and not playing the game of, well, I'll do one talk on a Sunday and I'll have another talk on a Monday. I'll have one way I walk on a Sunday and I'll have another way I walk on a Monday. No, that's not what Jesus calls us to. He says, if you love me, you will absolutely walk in step, eyes on me, eyes on the prize, obey in your walk and not just your talk. This is what we're called to. Keep also means not just once, but actively obeying now. Christians sometimes get caught up in, oh, I was saved. I remember back in... 19, whatever, 2000, whatever, I know I'm saved and I know one day I'm going to be here. But you listen to them say that and then you look at their life and there's nothing in here that indicates they look like they came from there or are going to there and there's nothing here that looks like this even happened and Jesus is about to say some very strong words here in just a moment because he's going to say if you say this happened to you but you're not doing this you're not getting that not because this has anything to do with this but this has everything to do with this. And the proof that you're this is you're this. Keep. It's not just once. Not just in a church service or not a camp or some time along ago where something happened to you. No, keep means I'm walking in up to the moment as much as I'm aware obedience to Jesus. I don't have a lot of extended accounts out there that I'm not aware of or I'm, or I'm not even applying my faith to. I've got up to the moment obedience in my marriage, in my parenting, in my finances, in my thoughts, in my activities, in my work, in my driving, in my walking, in my listening, in my movie selections, in the places I visit, in the websites I go to. I have up to the moment, minute by minute, full obedience to Jesus. That's what he calls us to. If you love me, keep my commandments. Keep it also means obeying with a surrendered heart of love. Some people approach the Christian faith and they say, oh, it's just so hard, just hard following after Jesus, just so tough. You know, all the, all the rules and the laws and all this stuff, it's just so hard. And man, you just, you listen to me and think, I'm not sure I want whatever that is you got. Nobody's looking for a harder life. No one's looking for life that's a beating. Then I read things like 1 John 5, 3 that says, for this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. They're not a weight. They're not here to bind you down. They're not here to weigh you. They're not here to oppress you. They are here to free you. They're here to set you free from all that other junk you've been following. They're here to set you free from all the other stuff that has claimed hold on your life. They're here to set you free from walking in your guilt and your shame and all of that stuff. They're here to set you free, not to be a burden. Keep. Also, it means obeying that calls us to constant change. 
This is what Jesus was talking about when he said, keep my commandments. If you love me, keep my commandments. It means, Jesus, what do you want me to do now? I know you just told me something yesterday, but I did it. Now what do you want me to do? What's next? What do you have for me? I want to be up at the front line. I want to do what you have to say next. I don't want to be possessed by all my other interests and, and all the things that the world's wanting me to do and other things everybody else is wanting me to do. I want what you have to say to be the very front line, the thing I'm asking, the thing I'm searching for, the thing I hold to, the thing I look at. This is what I do, and I want to know it. I want to do what's next for the now, for the right now, for the today. For my home, for my marriage, for my finances. I'm going to do the next thing. I want to take the next step in the process. I don't want to look back and say, well, you know, it feels like it's been about, I don't know, three to five years since I've heard Jesus say anything to me. What? Hello? Where you been? He didn't stop talking. He's always talking. He's always sending forth his word. His spirit is always active. That means it's on us then. Hear what he has to say. Wake up. Hear what he has to say. And walk in constant, continual change. It just breaks my heart to talk to believers. And, and they, the latest story they've got of God doing something in their life is sometime decades ago. I think, really? You can't tell me what the new song is in your heart? You can't tell me what the latest challenge is that God's laid on your heart? You don't have a vision for something more that he's got for you? It's time the church wakes up out of all of their slumber. It's time to come to the front line and say, Jesus, what do you want me to do next? I'm ready. I'm willing. I'm available. I will do whatever you say. Whatever is next, I want it for the now, and I want to change. I don't want to be like I was. I don't want to be like I was last week. I want my thoughts to be different. I want my relationships to be different. I want my perspective to be different. I want how I interact in this world to be different. I want to make a difference for you, Jesus. I want to keep your word. And Jesus goes on and talking with the disciples. He says, and he who loves me will be loved by my father. Some people look at this and say, that's troubling. Because it sounds like I have to do something to get his love. Look here. He loved you while you were a sinner. While we were enemies, Christ died for us. He was loving you when you didn't even know what the definition of love was. But Jesus says here, if you will love me, if you'll walk in my ways, and you'll keep my commandments, you are going to know the love of the Father for you. You're going to know it. It's not that all of a sudden he'll love you more, but you will know more of his love for you. It'll become obvious to you. You will see it. You'll walk in it. You'll, you'll have the wounds of your past healed. You'll know that your sins are forgiven. You'll have the utmost confidence that nothing can take you out of his love. That's why Paul writes in, in Romans 8, I'm persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels or principalities, nor powers, nor things present nor things to come, nor height nor depth, nor any other created thing 
shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. There are people who walk about saying, well, I'm just not sure if really God loves me or not. That's because they're not walking in intimacy and closeness and obedience to him. They're off doing their own thing, living their own life, giving church and giving God about a tenth of their day and tenth of their time and wondering why they don't see God love them. He's loving you, but you're not willing to walk up close to him and receive that love. If you love me, keep my commandments, and you'll know the Father's love. It goes on, and Jesus said, and I will love him, and I will manifest myself to him. I love this. Because the one who's walking in love and obedience, they're going to know something about the way Jesus loves them. I know the Trinity is all one, but they are also three separate. And there are some things that Jesus experientially knows about you that in some ways are a little different than what the Father knows about you, even though they're all one. Hear me. Jesus bore your sins on the cross. He knows you in a little different way then the Spirit knows you. Do you hear me? And the one who walks in up-to-date, up-to-the-moment, in-the-minute obedience, Jesus says, you're going to know my love for you. And here's the deal. Jesus said, and I will manifest myself to him, to this one who loves me, to this one who's willing to lay down everything, to this one who's willing to do whatever I say and will keep my commandments to this one, I'm going to show myself to him in a different way than I show everybody else because he or she is willing to listen. He says, I will show myself. I'll manifest myself. I'll show up in their life and they'll see me. They'll see my love. They'll see my grace. They'll see what I have for them already seated in heaven. They'll see who I am in them. They'll see who they are in me. They'll see the purpose. They'll see that the gates of hell will not prevail against the church and them when they are walking obedience to them. They'll see all of those things, and they walk in that confidence because they are walking in step, in line, up to the moment, to the beat, eyes on the prize, eyes on Jesus, obedience. They're walking in that. And Jesus says to this one, I will show myself. I'll manifest myself in a different way. They will see insight. They will see wonders. They will have understanding because they are walking in obedience to me. Then the next thing Jesus says, and we'll stop here in the midst of his conversation, is one that It's a little disheartening, sad, because Jesus says this in 24. He who does not love me does not keep my words. Those who just say they love God but don't truly love me, they don't keep my words. They'll play the game around others. 
they'll try to look good on Sundays. But when the fire comes, when the troubles arise, when the challenge is on, and when Monday comes, they bail. They keep their own way. They follow their own words. But this, this is too important for us to dismiss. This is not one of those you just look at and think, oh, it's just all nice. That's cool. Look, this, Jesus says, is everything. If you say you have this, and you believe you have this, then your life will truly be characterized by this. James would go on to write in the New Testament, if you say you have faith, but you don't have any works, then this is actually dead. You don't have it. You say you have it. Maybe someone told you you have it. Maybe you feel like you have it. But the proof of this shows up in the this. It's too important for us to dismiss today. If we're going to see revival come to this land, it will be when believers choose to say, I want to walk in up to the moment, full obedience to Jesus and do so with a heart of passionate love for him. So the Spirit of God calls us today to really search our hearts, allow him to search our hearts and say this, number one, do you have this If you don't, this is urgent. Please, don't leave this building today until you have dealt with this. You're not promised tomorrow, but you are promised salvation if you will believe in his grace by faith. Don't leave today. This is too important. But to the rest of us who have maybe already taken that step, you've done this. You're believing for this, but where are you here? Where are you? Did you start off running the race? Did you start off doing well, and then all of a sudden, you just went flatline? It doesn't mean you don't have faith. But it means somewhere along the way, you chose your will over God's will. You chose what you wanted over what he wanted. And it's time today to come back to the Lord. It's time today to say, I want every decision to be one that he directs, he leads. I want to keep my eye and my ear on him. I want to keep his commandments. What I'm going to do is I'm going to pray. The band's going to come up in just a moment, and we're going to sing a song together. And this song is our time.
And I want to open this whole area up right here so that you can make the step, the choice to say to God, I need to be saved or I need to get back in obedience. I get it. We're all facing areas of life that are tough. And maybe part of what needs to happen now is you to come pray and surrender your will and say, God, I don't, I don't even know what to do. But I know this. I want to do what you want me to do. And that sometimes is a wrestling match. Use this altar as your time to wrestle. And wrestle your will to the ground and wrestle your heart to Jesus. Would you bow your heads with me? Again, I know the reality of these words today. I know the seriousness of them, the importance of them. And I hear the Spirit of God telling us not to waste this time today, but to make the most of it, to follow, to bring our heart back to a place of keeping his word, keeping what he has to say to us, and walking obedience. Father, this morning we hear your word. We hear the call to be those who walk in love with you, not trying to punish ourselves or not trying to perfect ourselves, but in absolute love for what you have done for us through your son, Jesus. But Father, we also hear you calling us today to keep your word, to keep your commandments, to walk in obedience to you, to do so out of love, but to do so out of full surrender, to do so out of love, but to do so with full willingness to do whatever you ask. And I pray your spirit within us would rise up, would cause us to to stand, to cause us to be bold, to cause us to walk in confidence, to cause us to know that you have a way for us and we want to walk in it. And I pray we would die to any other voice or will and choose to do what you have for us, regardless of the cost, regardless of the sacrifice, regardless of what is needed from us, that we would do so in full, full obedience to you. So, Father, bless this time now as your church responds to you as we choose to keep your word. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.